All right. Well, I hope you guys had a good Fourth of July uh, week and had a lot of fun. I know maybe you were like me and you got to do some really cool like tanks and snakes and things like that and light those fireworks off. Those are the best. Some of you don't even know what a snake is, do you? Anybody with me on this? Hello. Hi. Good to see you today. Um, exciting time for a family. Yesterday, I went to uh, um, a, friend, a couple friends in our church, uh, Dash, uh, Dash, Ashley and Daryl, and they just had a little baby, um, Lucy, and was really, she's really cute and all that kind of stuff. A lot of babies in our church right now, if you don't know this, we've had like record number of babies in the last month. We had a lot of fresh babies around here, as Leslie likes to call them. And <laughs> anyway, um, Melinda pointed out the other day, I heard this story that Melinda pointed out that, hey, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't our marriage conference nine months ago? And I was like, oh, yeah, about to go, wow, wow. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yes. Bring, you know our vision? Anybody know our vision statement? Bringing life to the city. We're doing it. We're doing it in many different ways. Um, anyway, good news. Good news of the gospel. We bring life to the city. All right, so... Where are we at? We're going to be continuing our teaching series on Jesus, and we're talking about his life, his message, um, and just the stories of Jesus. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We'll be getting there in just a moment. And, you know, what's been really cool, uh, really, I say jokingly about, it is an exciting time for our church. I feel like um, so many people have been coming to our church over the last number of months and finding a home here. And, and I hope you feel right at home today. Uh, it's amazing that God continues to answer prayer that we had a long time ago, that God would draw people here um, with of a kindred spirit and that they would find uh, this place. And we specifically used the, we felt like God gave us the word home. And we hear all the time people saying, hey, this feels like home. And we hope that you feel that today. So as we talk about Jesus, um, we're talking about how following Jesus brings life, essentially. Um, we've been exploring the life-giving but also very challenging and difficult things of what it means to follow Jesus. And, and he really is in so many different ways. This is week eight of our series. It's kind of strange because it feels like we just started this one, but we're already in week eight. And our intention is that we truly do encounter Jesus. Um, and I know if you're new here, talking about Jesus at church seems kind of cliche, um, but we're trying to talk about Jesus in such a way that we're going to say, can we dig into what it means to really, truly talk about the life and the message and the life-changing ways of Jesus, but also talk about the really challenging things that he said, uh, the countercultural things that he said. And, and, and the, the question inside of that is, what if there's a group of people that really took all the things that Jesus said, even the countercultural challenging things he said, and we said, we are going to be willing to have the courage and the faith to step into those things and to see what God does. Because here's what I believe. If, if, if there's a group of people, what if, right, a group of people would follow all the, <clears throat> the really amazing things, but also the really challenging things that Jesus calls to do, what would happen? Well, I, I sort of believe that there would be a ripple effect that would be pretty tremendous, and, and we, it would sort of change everything about everything, right? Because that's what Jesus does, and that's what he's doing. And So here we go. We are going to start in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, then we're going to be hopping around a little bit today, and... Uh, we're going to start in Luke. All right, here we go. Oh, let me show you a couple pictures real quick because I think this helps get us started. Um, I want to show you pictures of, this is the ancient uh, site of the city of Capernaum. And you guys have probably heard of Capernaum if you know much about the Gospels. Capernaum is the home of Peter and Andrew and some others. 
Uh, and Jesus and his disciples, this sort of became home base for them. Uh, partially because, remember where Jesus was from? He was from Nazareth. And Nazareth uh, kind of got like sideways with Jesus and was like, uh, maybe we're going to throw you off a cliff or something like that. There was this, like, this little encounter that happened that was not so good. So he left and he goes over to Capernaum. And this is really where he launches his ministry. And, and he would sit at a temple like this, a synagogue like this, and he would start to do ministry to this town. And really, Jesus started to get become known among the region of Judea, really from this site and from this area. And so we're going to start... Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Are you all ready? Sweet. Me and you, let's, whoever said yes, we're going to go do this. Nobody else is really into it, I guess. Here we go. At sunset, so we're starting at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. So this is at sunset, right? The end of the day. My assumption is he's been like doing this all day, right? That's an assumption we don't know. But he's, lay, he's and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. Now, this is interesting right here, this little point, because in the gospel, so many people are like, who is this guy? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Who, who is he? Who is he? You know, he's a teacher. He's Everybody's like, who is Jesus? And there's one group of people who, one group, I won't call them people, that knew exactly who he was, the demons, right? They're like, that's the son of the living God. And he's like, hey, be quiet, be quiet. He would not allow them to speak because they knew he was, this, he was the Messiah. Verse 42, at daybreak. When did we start? At sunset. So is he up all night doing this? I, I don't know. I'm going to say yes. And so there's like a really long line of people. And he's just like, come on, next, next. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, as they always did. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So what is he doing? Well, first of all, he's doing what he does, right? He's just, he's literally in, in Capernaum, like healing people, doing what he does, ministering to them, people who are sick, people who are paralyzed, people who have back issues, people who have breathing issues. They're coming to him and one after another, he's healing them. Like, you know, he's like, like I said, there's a line. He's like, hey, take a number, you know, heal. You know what I mean? Like next, yeah, healed. And he just keeps doing this. And then he gets to like demon possessed people. And he's like doing exorcisms, like whoosh, whoosh. he's just getting rid of these things. And he's taking care of the ministry that needs to be done there. And then the next morning, after this has been going on for quite some time, the next morning he gets up and people start to say, stay, you know, stay, please don't leave. Apparently he's about to leave. And they're like, we, we love you, Jesus. Stay here. Please stay here as long as you can. You know, that's what they're doing. They're like, we don't want you to leave. And so Jesus is, is, is trying to leave, but they're saying, listen, the word has been spreading. People, all other towns are now coming to Capernaum because of Jesus. The word has spread. One guy comes to Jesus, like, you don't understand. My cousin's coming. He's from across the lake. He'll be here at noon. I mean, he's got a bad back. You know, all this stuff is coming at Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but there's a lot of truth in this. You can imagine the scene, right? That it's chaos and people are all coming in droves to Jesus. And so you have real pressing things, begging for Jesus to stay in Capernaum. And he says, nope, got to go. It's been real. See ya. Got to keep, got to go. Catch you later. 
Let's think about this. <laughs> you have these real pressing needs, people in need, and at some point, Jesus makes the decision, with all these things going on around him, to walk away. And you know, you know in this crowd, I think it's interesting though, by the way, apparently the Messiah did not have a Messiah complex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was willing to walk away from all these people wanting him. He says, nope, got to go. Later. Deuces. Out of here. You know there's some guilt trippers in that crowd. You know what I'm talking about? You know the guilt trippers? They're like, no, 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 you got to stay. We need you. I thought you loved me, man. Please, please, stay, stay. We think you're the way. I don't know what they're doing, right? But they're like begging him to stay, right? We thought you were here to save. Now you're going to leave us. You know there were some guilt trippers. And he's like, sorry, got to go. Got to get to the other towns. So let's just start with this thought today. And then we're going to dig into it and explore this. And I'm going to put a thought on the screen. And if you're taking notes, I want you to go ahead and write it down. And the thought is this. I don't have to do it all. Now, if you're taking notes, which is, looks like it's about one of you, um, it's, your hand is <laughs> probably shaking as you write it, right? You don't have to do it all. Some of you are like, I, I know that, Tim. I'm like, yeah, I know, you, I know you think you do. Jesus doesn't do it all. Real, pressing, urgent needs, hurting people, really good things to do, potentially even great things to do. And he says, okay, time to go. See ya. And he's gone. So the question is, how does he look this kind of stuff in the face and then walk away? This is what I want to explore today because I think it actually has a lot of impact in yours and my life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 51. If you have a Bible and you're actually going to turn to pages, it's a lot of fun. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. As time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Now, there's these little details in the scriptures that if you're paying attention and you start pulling them together, it starts painting a picture for us, right? So we're going to go over to now Luke chapter 17, verse 11. This one goes to 11. All right, here we go. Now, on his way to <gasps> Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. We're going to go to verse, or chapter 18, verse number 31. Chapter 18, verse 31. Same book, Luke. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to, say it with me, Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. So if you're the writer, which is Luke, and you're trying to get a point across, you're going to probably keep saying the same thing over and over again, right? It like comes from the school of redundancy school. You know what I'm talking about? And he's going to keep saying it over and over again. So go over to chapter 19, verse 28. 
After Jesus had said this, he went on up ahead, going up to, say it with me, Jerusalem. Again and again, it's placed in the narrative. It's sort of like a beat in a song. It's like a repeated chorus. It just keeps coming up again and again that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's got to go. He's got to leave sometime because he's going someplace else. He's headed towards Jerusalem. And he, it's, it's kind of like, like I said, like this beat in the song. It's like, hey, he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. Oh, by the way, when he was on his way, he's going to Jerusalem every time. So there's something driving Jesus. And he's oriented everything around this idea of getting to Jerusalem. And so everything he does, every interaction, every conversation, every even choice he makes, sometimes good or even great choice or opportunity he has, goes through this filter of getting to Jerusalem. So listen to this. So what he says yes to and what he says no to in life are dictated by this larger goal and mission. He's got to get to Jerusalem. Now, I think it's important to note, and we're going to dig into this a little bit about our lives, but I think it's important to note, now this didn't get in the way of Jesus still doing compassionate, spontaneous ministry, right? Like he, he was full of compassion. He had a lot of love. And there's, if there's moments that came up, you can, you can even read on your own Luke chapter 8, and there's all sorts of this spontaneous ministry going on. It happened all the time. Jesus was willing to deviate from a particular path. He wasn't like, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. Quit bothering me. Don't talk to me. I'm headed to Jerusalem. He wasn't like this laser-focused, rigid sort of way of, I have a plan. And I'm going to get there. He would stop, and he would be in the moment, and he would have compassion, and he would do ministry um, as it, he encountered it, yet it all came back to this larger purpose and larger focus of him going to where God had called him to. He's going to Jerusalem. So I say all this. There's this Jesus has this example in his life right here that his, there's this larger picture that his life is about. And I wonder how many of us, if we're starting to try to dig into this, how many of us feel like we struggle with this? What I mean by that, how many of us struggle with the things that we say yes to and the things that we say no to? How many of you, how many of you in this room like struggle to say no? You know what I mean? How many, raise your hand if, you're, if you struggle to say no and you say yes too often. Raise your hand. You can't even say no to that question. You're raising your hand now. Yes. How, there's, there's just, for most of us, it's hard to say no, especially when it's a good need, right? When there's a pressing need or real people are involved, it's hard to say no. Whenever there's something that looks like a good thing to actually give yourself to, why would you say no to that? And so what we find ourselves doing, stay, stay, okay, I'll say, we need you. Yeah, okay, I'm here. Jesus is like, nope. See ya. Hmm. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It makes me wonder, what, what does this mean to our life? Because I think for a lot of us, we say no to things that are really in the center of the mission that God has for us, and we say yes to things that aren't really in the center of what God has for us. And so we find ourselves pushing the things we should be saying yes to to the back burner. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? 
and the things that we should be saying no to seem to be because we want to please people and because we don't want to make anyone mad and because we want to make sure everyone likes us, we say yes to all sorts of things. And where we find ourselves at the end of that road is with a life that isn't the life we want to live, but a life full of yeses to a bunch of things we aren't truly passionate about, while the things we are passionate about sit over here on the back burner waiting for us to give ourselves to them. Are we, are we tracking? Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes. All right, because I think this is real, and I think this is actually a lot of our lives. Because Anyway, if you were with us last week, we talked about how Jesus helps us choose the more right thing. Um, there's a lot of right things, but he helps us choose the more right thing. And this is sort of part two of that, uh, so to speak. I don't really have a part two, but we're just calling it that. Because Jesus, time and time again, um, shows us, even models for us, how to live a life where we are giving ourselves to the right things. We find all sorts of examples in Jesus' life, by the way, with this. I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, there's all sorts of ways that we, and layers to this. We could talk about work. We could talk about relationships. We could talk about, we could talk about a lot of different things about how we say yes and no to the wrong things. And, and really what we're trying to figure out is what, is what is our Jerusalem? Where are we headed? Where are we going? What is everything oriented towards? What is everything filtered through? Think about this in the relationships Jesus had. Jesus, it says all the time, all the time, right? Oh, everybody's looking for him. He has these masses of people that want his attention all the time. Think how many people wanted to be, like, valued by Jesus. You ever, you ever feel really bad when you forget someone's name? Anybody with me on that? I'm like, oh, I should know that guy's name. Everybody wanted Jesus to know that. Jesus, like, he'd walk, hey, Frank, hey, Joe. I mean, that would be awesome, like, if he's, like, calling you by name, right? So every, everybody wanted Jesus to know him, right? He had intense relational pressure on him. Everybody wanted his time. Everybody wanted his relationship. And, and we, so we can talk about the masses, but let's just talk about what we know. In Acts 1, it talks about there are 120 believers, de devoted followers, at the time of the resurrection of Jesus. So we know there's 120. Then we know also in the book of Luke, there's a point where he sends out 72 believers. You remember that section where he sends out 72 to go do ministry? And then we know there's another layer where he sends out the 12 disciples before he sends out the 72 to go and do ministry. And then even inside the 12, there's a relationship that he has with Peter, James, and John in which he hangs out with them in special times. Like there's a moment in Matthew 17 when he goes up a mountain. You guys know the story? And there's a transfiguration that happens and it's like this really weird moment where everybody's face is going, like Jesus' face is really strange. And then, and then they go, hey, we should build like a we should build like a, a, an altar to you, like a, a shack. And so this is like the first example in the scripture where someone's like wanting to do like a capital building campaign. It's right here uh, in Matthew 17. When in doubt, just build something. You know what I mean? And so, so this is happening right... Sorry, that was just for me. I thought it was funny. So anyway, he gets the three, right? And he spends time with the three differently than he spends time with the 12. So check it out this way. I got this little picture. So if we just forget the masses for a minute, and he has a, a tw 120, he has an inner circle of 120, then he has an inner, inner circle of 72, then he has an inner, inner, inner circle of 12, and then he has an inner, 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 inner circle of three. And here's the thing about it. Like, he can't take 120 people at the mountain. You have three. He's not saying the same type of yes to all 120 or even the 72 or even the 12. Sometimes he actually had to say no relationally. Sometimes he had to say a bigger yes to the three than he did the 12 because he knew that was needed in the bigger picture. That was best for who God had called him to be. 
And you know what's crazy about this whole thing is Jesus probably could have said yes to 120 the same way, but because but, he's Jesus, he could have done this. But he didn't because Jesus was always showing us the way. He's always setting the example so we know how to live. And he had different levels of relationships. Like I said, he couldn't take the three, he couldn't take the 120 up the mountain. And he seems to go deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer people, which is really, really interesting because it brings up a great question. How many relationships, relationships can you handle? Really? 72? How many people can we truly, authentically stay genuinely connected to? And what's interesting is a lot of us have so many relationships in our life, yet we feel alone. Why? We feel like we know so many people, but yet we feel like we don't have anything that's truly deep. Let's think about it in our, in our modern experience in our world today. Jesus goes deeper and deeper with fewer and fewer people, but we, if we're being really honest, go more and more shallow with more and more people. That's the trend, by the way, in our world. Bigger circles of relationships that we say yes to. Think about what's happened technologically. I know some of you in here are a little too young. We have some of you that are just, you know, if you're 20 and younger, you're just, you're just young. Awesome for you. But 15 years ago, 15 years ago, you could live life where you could go long stretches of time without anybody having access to you, without anybody having access to you. You can get in your car, go to the grocery store, you can go for a walk. You could go in your bedroom where there wasn't a phone, right? You, you could go long stretches of time without anybody having access to you. Now, we live where, in a time and place where anyone at any time has access to us wherever we go. We know this, we talk about this, and how many of you wish you could go back to the way it was 15 years ago? Please, right? Like, you know, like seven of us, we're going, we're gonna go build a, like a, one of those things underground and live in it, I don't know. But the thing about this reality for us, how many, I mean, we have so many contacts even in our phone, I think about this, like some of us have 100, 200, 400, some of you probably has over 600 people on your phone and available anytime, anywhere, it's just kind of the way it goes. It's expected. We're trying to take on more and more. And we see Jesus doing something completely opposite of that. And so when I talk about taking on the ways of Jesus that are sometimes countercultural, sometimes we think what I'm saying, oh, this is revolutionary. Like, we're going to go take this city and take this hill. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's this thing. You know what? I don't even know how to say yes or no. <laughs> That's pretty countercultural. Because the cultural trend is to say yes. And if you think that I'm saying, I need you to say no so you can have more me time, you haven't got the heart of this message yet. This is not about you. And what I mean by it, it is about you, but it is not about you feeling like you can have more me time because the cultural trend of today is also you do you, man. You do you, whatever makes you happy, numero uno, you do that thing because you need to take care of you first. And I'm saying that is not the heart of this message. So don't hear me proclaiming to you, and you're gonna get into this more, proclaiming to you that I want you to tailor down your schedule and say no to everybody. Don't ever look at someone and go, hey man, back off. You're in my 120. You're not in my three. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that. I don't want, there, there's no, I'm not telling you this for like a numbers game to where you can start saying, oh, okay, now, now I've got it figured out if I can only handle three relationships. I don't know how many relationships you can handle. This isn't about you saying no to people relationally so you can be exclusive. 
The last thing I'd want to come out of this is there's now a new exclusivity layer around your life. Jesus always modeled radical inclusivity, but he also knew what to say yes to, when to say no, when to say yes, and he had a clear purpose about where he was headed. And this is what we need to learn from. This is what we need to take from because what Jesus is inviting into is it's a life that we are giving ourselves to the things that we really feel like he has given us to do. And this is so big for everybody's life because here's what I find so often and when I'm talking to people so often I hear, because we struggle with this. We struggle. I know we do. It's robbing us of a clear picture of where we're going. It's robbing us of our Jerusalem. I, I know this because here's the thing. I was... a uh, I'm talking to people all the time. I say all the time. Frequently. And, and they're going, because I'm like, they're struggling with maybe a, a decision, right, about life. Should I do this or should I not? And, and we try to dig a little deeper. And what it's really about is, like, here's this thing. Like, I have this life over here that I, I really picture. And I'm like, okay, so you, you, have this, you have this clarity about the things you need to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what I need to say yes to but I'm struggling because I have all these requirements on me and these expectations on me and these, and, and okay, so you have all this stuff over here that you gotta figure out, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, and you have, but you're also like, you feel like alone in this too? Oh, strange, interesting, okay, so you feel alone, but you have a lot, like, you know a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people, but I'm not feeling connected, okay? So I'm just listening, right, and I'm trying to hear this all out, and they're like, oh, okay, so you feel alone, you have a lot of people, you don't have the deep friendships you really want. Oh, you, you have like a career and you have a lot of things that you're doing in life, but yet you feel like your purpose is still muddy. And, yeah. Oh, oh, so you're struggling with what to say yes and no to. Yeah. Okay. So let's start there. Like, what do you, what do you feel like is getting in the way of that life? And so what happens is, there's this life that's out there that we feel like we're supposed to be living, and we keep reaching for it, but we keep missing it. Are you following me? And so we kind of find ourselves in a place where we're going, like, what am I doing, and where am I going? And so what I feel like for a lot of us is really happening is we don't even know what our Jerusalem is. But Jesus lives with this unbelievable sense of his abilities, his capacity, and even more so a deep sense of his purpose. Turn with me to John chapter 5. Um, occasionally, Jesus sort of gives us this, kind of pulls back the curtain, sort of this uh, a view inside the deep stream where he's coming from, uh, how he's coming to know what to say yes and no to. Jesus gave them... Uh, this answer. He says this in John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Let me read that again. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So what is he saying here? It's kind of one of those, you know, Jedi little statements he says, like, what are you trying to say? What he's saying is, listen, I'm so connected to the Father, and I so much, I, I know the Father so well that I, I understand the things that I'm doing that are with and inside the things that the Father are do, is doing. And so I have this connection with the Father that I understand what he wants to do, so I do them because I can't do anything except what the Father is doing. Are you following? And so what happens is he's saying, I'm so intimately connected with the Father that I actually know what to do all the time. It's, it's, it's pretty clear. And so there's this, okay, what does that mean for me? Well, it means something about my connection to the Father, but we'll get into that in a minute. 
So the Father has given him, and we can say this for us, like the Father has given me things to do. So he's giving me this to do, this to do, and this to do, but he's not giving me that, that, and that. And here's the thing about that, that, and that. And sometimes that, that, and that is really good things, right? This is like whenever he's in the town and they're saying, please, please, stay, stay. You know, he's saying those are really good things that he could do, but he says, nope, I gotta go, I gotta go. I can't do that. And so here's the thing. He's given me this, 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 and do, but not that, that, that. And here's the thing. He doesn't hold me accountable to that. He only holds me accountable to this. So I have to be obedient to the things that he's given me to do. And the only way to discover that is I start to understand how to intimately walk with the Father to where I can actually discern what the Father is doing because then I will only do what the Father wants me to do because he's given me some things to do. He's not giving me everything to do. So as a parent... He's given us things to do, right? This is a good example. It's not the only example. I know everybody in here is a parent, but there are some clear things that he's given us to do. The Father has caused, called us to raise up our children, right? To love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And as a parent, we have to say a resounding yes to that. We have to. Even if in our efforts, our kids don't always follow the Lord the way we wish they would. We have to say yes to that, but there's so many parents that aren't saying yes to that with their lives. They're saying yes to it in their minds, but they're not saying yes to it in the time they spend and the way they live. Are you following me? So here's what I'm trying to say is, we get all sorts of clues in the things that our Jerusalem should be and the path that we should be walking and the clarity we should be walking in. We get all sorts of clear pictures about what that is and what we in, what we do instead is we say yes as a parent we say yes to the things of this world and we say oh yeah we want our kid to be this we want our kid to be successful and popular or whatever and so we give all this energy to them being great in a different category of life versus the category of loving the lord with all their heart mind soul and strength are you following me now so what what is going on here we don't know what our jerusalem is is it to be successful? Is it to be rich? Is it to be powerful? Is it to be happy? What would it be like there's a group of people that had such a clear picture, a vibrant picture of what the Father had given them to do and they were obedient to it? Even in the countercultural, sort of confusing times, they would say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. What would that look like? Sort of think it would look like it changes everything about everything. I keep saying this, I think a lot of us haven't figured out what our Jerusalem is. We haven't quite figured it out what's going on and what's the thing that the Father has given us. We lack clarity and we don't know what to say yes to. We struggle with career decisions. We struggle with decisions in general. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Everything down to what do I do with my life, to what do I do with my house, to what do I do this month, where do I go to lunch, right? It's like just this cycle of decision-making. We struggle with relational decisions. We struggle to have deep friendships and so we feel alone. We struggle with busyness and afraid life where we feel like we're going in every direction. So I don't know if I'm touching on anything that sounds real to you, but we find ourselves just going through life 
And it's not the life that we feel like we ought to be living, but it's the life that has just been handed to us. And we keep saying yes to that for some strange reason. What if you can walk clearly in one direction? With a deep sense of purpose and clarity about who you are and the thing that God's given you to do? That sounds freeing, doesn't it? Anybody, that, does that sound freeing to anybody? Now here's the interesting thing about freedom. Freedom is so worshiped in our culture. Here's the flip side of freedom. That we're gonna start saying no to all these things so we can have freedom. All my commitments are, I've been freed. And so we, we picture them like, like that. Like I'm supposed to say no to a bunch of stuff so I have more me time and I feel free of stuff. Listen, I'm actually inviting you into a different kind of freedom. That freedom is only short-lived. I'm inviting you into a kind of freedom that says, you know what? I'm not looking for less to do. I'm looking for the right things to do. I'm not looking to be, to be absorbed in myself so I can have more me time, but I'm looking to be absorbed in Jesus so I can be clear about my Jerusalem and I can walk in one clear direction with my life and I can feel like I'm living the life I'm meant to live. That's freedom. So if you think you're waging a war against busyness and overcommitment, you're not. You're waging a war for your life, the life that you're choosing to live, and asking yourself, this, the story that I'm writing, is it the story that I want it to become? Because your story becomes exactly what you lead it to become. You say yes to all the wrong things, that'll be your story. You know what I mean? Full of regret, full of question marks and full of decision careers and all these things that were hard for you. But when you have one clear purpose and you're saying, well, how do I know? I mean, career, and then it gets all muddy. Here's the thing. Jesus gives us things to do to advance his kingdom, his love, and his mission. Your career is not dependent. Whatever you choose in your career, whatever you, wherever you choose to live, it's not a, I've always said this, and this is like, you know, God's will 101. God's will for your life is less about what you do or where you go, and it's about who you are. So you can go and do whatever career you want to do and still be clear about your Jerusalem. You can go live wherever you want to live and still be clear about your Jerusalem. Sometimes they have a tie, okay? That's okay. Sometimes it's like, oh, my, my mission will dictate my career. My mission will dictate where I live. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes I hear people that live smack dab in the middle of God's will, running after the Jerusalem, and they're doing a career that you're like, how does that have anything to do with it? You know what? The career doesn't, but who they are in the midst of that career does. The way they love, the way they usher in the kingdom, the way they bring Jesus right into the center of that place that they're in. When they start seeing their life, right? Their life as, as, as the place that their dreams are supposed to be, to be coming alive. Whenever you start dreaming about the people and places you intersect every day and usher God's kingdom into that, well, then you're actually finding yourself with a clear purpose and direction for who you're becoming. Saying yes and no is the start of a deeper conversation, isn't it? We're not talking about yes and no. We're not talking about simplifying your life. We're actually talking about clarifying your life. Understanding who you are and who God called you to be. This is, this is it. This is the heart of everything. Because if you don't figure this out, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be all over the map. You're going to be going wishy-washy all the time. And you're going to find yourself going, why does that person have a great life where they're pursuing God? And I just kind of sit here going, I never hear God's voice. Well, let me ask you this. Does your schedule represent someone that is desperate to hear the voice of God? <laughs> because 
If we're just hoping that God would just start speaking without aligning our life to hear his voice, guess what? We're probably out of range. We're on a different frequency. We gotta dial ourselves in. And Jesus, maybe perhaps Jesus, is the resurrected Jesus right now as he's speaking in your life, giving you permission to say you don't have to do it all. Is the resurrected Jesus speaking in your life right now, saying, you don't have to do it all, but I wanna let you loose. I wanna release you into a life with purpose, into a powerful, dialed-in life where every choice, every relationship, every decision you make matters. Does that mean it's like rigid and like nothing? No, spontaneity still occurred, remember? Moments off the beaten path, moments of compassion struck Jesus but everything came back to this clear purpose. And that's the life I wanna live. That's the life I want you to live. And I just feel like I keep coming up against this conversation where, where myself and the people around me in my life, we keep saying yes to the wrong things and no, excuse me, yeah, yes to the wrong things and no <laughs> to the wrong things. And, and I'm just, I just so desperately want for us to find that place where we are pursuing the thing that God has given us. To where we can look at whenever you're right where you need to be. Keep running. Keep going. We got you. I'm about done. <laughs> Clearly. I said this earlier, but Robbie's been playing a while. I should probably finish. <laughs> All right. God always gives us things to do that will advance his kingdom, his message, and his love. Just keep that in mind. He always gives us things to advance his kingdom, his message, and his love. It begins with spending time and digging in. So I'll say this, and then I really will be done. Um, maybe I would encourage you, if you're like in a place where you're like, I don't have a lot of clarity, I need, I need some direction. I would, ask yourself, I, would, I would encourage you to ask yourself, is there something... Um, just sit down with a journal, piece of paper, I don't care, with your phone, type it out. Um, what, is, what is something you believe God has given you to do? Answer that one question. What is something you believe God has given you to do? And have you said yes to that enough? And if you find yourself, uh, it's sort of back burner. It hasn't quite been the forefront of my life. What is it that's getting in the way and what do you keep saying yes to that's stopping and preventing you from running after that thing that you feel like God has already spoken to you? Because here's what I know. God has already spoken. So many of us are searching for answers. We're like, God, speak to me. I don't know the answers. And he's saying, if you would actually do the things I told you to do before, I would tell you something new. You understand what I'm saying? He's like, I've already spoken so much. You already know so much. If you would actually do that, then maybe I would give you something new. And so maybe for you, you just have to ask yourself, what do I already know? And then step into that. So I, I really encourage you. I've said this before, but get down with the journal and just say, what do I already know? What do I know about the things that God has already spoken to me to do? And then be faithful to those things. Jesus is giving you permission to live a powerful, dialed-in life. Would you bow your heads with me? Perhaps today you just needed this in such a way that's just like, you know what? I... A lot of these things we know, we talk about purpose, we talk about saying yes and no. I mean, these aren't brand new conversations, but maybe it just struck you right where you needed to, right where you're at today and what you needed to hear. And 
Um, so I just want to ask, with everybody's heads bowed, maybe for you, because I want to pray for some people in the room today. Today, if you're facing a really specific, like, moment in your life where you're like, I need clarity from God on what direction to do. Uh, I, I've been searching or I've been asking the Lord for this and uh, or maybe I've just been wondering and today I'm being hit with it in a way that I've never been hit with it before. That I Listen, God's will is not one of those things where you step in and out of it with one wrong or right choice. That's not the way it works. I don't want you to get that. But if you're just saying, I want some, some clarity today, I need some direction from the Lord. If that's where you're at today, just lift your hand. Just have the courage to say, I need that today. I need some. Yeah, go ahead and lift your hand. We're going to pray for you in just a second. I totally get it. All right, and then the next question I want to ask for you to raise your hand to, and just as a way of responding to the Lord, and we're going to pray, is if you're like, God has already spoken to me. I kind of know what my Jerusalem should be, or I have some direction. I have at least a sort of a clear picture, but I find myself continually putting it to the back burner. I kind myself continually saying yes to other things, and my life gets a mess because of it. I get overcommitted and over busy, and I find myself just kind of in a spot I don't want to be in. And you're just like, I'm there. I kind of have some clarity about where I, where I need to go, but I'm struggling with how to get there. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Go ahead and lift your hand with wherever you're at right now. Yeah. Well, Father, I pray right now for every person in this room, those that raise their hands specifically, Lord, for those that need clarity and direction right now, Lord, would you speak? And when they have ears to hear, would they create time in their life to hear your voice so they can know what it is, that thing that you want them to do, even in the small decisions or the big decisions. Lord, for those who just continually find themselves maybe saying yes too much and it kind of fogs up the, the path and they lose their way heading to Jerusalem and whatever that is for them, I just pray right now that you'd give them a, a, a clear purpose in their life that they would find freedom in and they would find the ability to step into it with confidence and courage and boldness. That, Lord, they wouldn't, it wouldn't shrink and, and, and fear and the, the desire or the need to please people, but, Lord, they would be seeking to please you, of course, and, Lord, to just find themselves living in the groove of what you've called them to. So I pray that right now over these people. Lord, we pray all these things in your name.